The Joy Unleashed show empowers and inspires women to reclaim their joy. We provide tools, resources, and connections to help you unlock your true potential through engaging conversations, expert insights, and transformative stories. We create a vibrant and inclusive community where women can break free from the limitations that hold them back. I'm joyologist Colleen Greco, and it is my honor to be your host. Let's get right into the show. Welcome, 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 Raya McGarry. I am so happy that you're on our show today. Thank you so much. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time you're, you're watching this show. Um, for folks that are just tuning in, put your phones on Do Not Disturb. We have an amazing guest on our show today. Um, Araya McGarry is, uh, well, I call her my idea muse. Um, and that is just one, one of the many um, accolades that she has. Uh, she is a cancer survivor. Uh, in fact, in her words, she says, Sir Thriver. And I want to get more into that. And, uh, and I just love um, uh, that word. Um, she's also a domestic, uh, domestic, domestic violence Sir Thriver, an internationally recognized speaker. She's a TEDx speaker. I highly recommend you watch her TEDx talk. That was absolutely the most moving talk I think I've ever, um, I've ever witnessed. She's the founder and creator of Le Live Your Legacy Summit, um, which highlights uh, people who turn their calamity into triumph. So uh, without further ado, um, because we are going to dive in deep to your Emmys, your Davies, your Tellies. <laughs> Welcome, Araya. Thank you. Pauline, thank you so much. And welcome to the Limelight Network and joining my family of amazing TV show hosts that edutain their ideal audience. So congratulations to you. You're stepping into the limelight, stepping into your voice and educating people on the power of joy. So good for you. So right off the bat, congratulations. I'm so excited for your future. <laughs> thank you. Same. Um, so I really want, um, with an intro like that, um, I'm interested in understanding with all that you've accomplished, what gets your blood boiling in the morning? What gets you out of bed? Well, blood boiling angry or blood boiling joyful? <laughs> okay. I'm like boiling mad. Oh, what gets me up in the morning? You know, yeah, I've always lived by God first, family second, career third. And with that, everything. And I love what our other show host says, Clara talks about, there is no such thing as balance, but you can't have harmony. So what gets me up in the morning is that I have another day to live. And I really mean that. And I'm sure anyone that's been through a life-threatening moment in their life, appreciate, I have breath today. Okay, today's good. Because I remember when I was 38 years old, <laughs> several years ago, I woke up that morning at like 4 a.m., it was still dark outside, and I was having to head to the hospital to have surgery to find out if I had cancer. And if I did, I had to give those surgeons carte blanche to remove whatever they needed to remove from my chest. So I didn't know what they, they would haul for me, and I didn't know if I would wake up that day because anything could happen in surgery. We all know that. So that is a vivid memory that I'm so glad I made it through not only that day, made it through the surgery, made it through the chemo that almost killed me. And so I'm always happy to be alive. So it's one reason I love you, Colleen, because you talk about the power of joy. Joy for me is waking up every morning. And I know it kind of might sound cheesy, but it's not when you've been through anything that might've taken your day away. We've had, I've had car accidents. Many of your viewers might've had an accident or something like, that was a close one. 
I almost took my last breath. So I appreciate the day, then I appreciate my family, then I appreciate my career and being an entrepreneur. So all that in a nutshell goes through my head like within the first 60 seconds and then I get my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so help me just understand uh, like the series of events. You were 38 when you received your cancer diagnosis. Had you already had your children at that point? What ages were they? One. Okay. Um, I'd already escaped domestic violence. My dad had already been murdered by the mafia when I was 15. I escaped domestic violence. And then now I'm going into this uh, cancer battle. My mom had already died of cancer. My brother had cancer and survived. So a lot going on. Now here I am facing cancer myself. My oldest daughter, she was in eighth grade at the time. And my youngest hadn't even been born yet. So it was a really rough year for my oldest daughter because right three weeks before I was diagnosed with cancer, she had just got the news that her stepmom, you know, my ex-husband's new wife, was killed in a car accident by a drunk driver at seven o'clock in the morning and broke every bone in her body and she died. And so she had to go through that and then a year of me battling cancer and chemo. And it was kind of an interesting and you know, trying to find joy through that was totally our faith, totally our family and friends that we had that were praying us through this tumultuous year of craziness. But all throughout it, we had just great big faith, so many people praying, so many pray so many friends. And you know, I was in Mary Kay at the time too. So a lot of positive women in my life bringing over casseroles and food and just taking care of us. So I think there's such power and friendship and camaraderie and, and love and support. So that's what got us through that for sure. So that's kind of the timeline. From there, I was told I'd never speak again. And from there is when I went on to be a speaker and do my television show. And then later on, you know, Emmys and TEDx. That all came after the diagnosis said, you'll never speak again above a whisper. That would be impossible. So I really love giving women, especially hope. I can barely breathe given the story that you just shared. Um, and, I, and I'm being sincere. You know, your voice saves lives. And it's through your stories and it's through your candor and your openness and, and how you can find joy in the smallest of moments. I know, um, you know, we had a, a trauma here in the house that really, um, you know, took my breath away again. Um, and I found that in perhaps this is something you can relate to. I found that there wasn't the ability to even think about next week or later on that day. It was literally moment by moment. Um, and over time, of course, little successes piled upon each other. And we were able to kind of think a little bit longer term. But I think, you know, for anybody listening that is going through, um, you know, something pretty profound, it's finding joy in those small moments. It's within the hour. It's, it's you, know, um, you know, having people over that are sharing, you know, positive stories that give you right. hope. Um, it's, it's not about what you're doing next week or next month or even next year. That is, that's unfathomable at that point. You know, it kind of reminds me of what we all went through. You know, the world had a coming together a couple of years ago in 2020. Does that all ring a bell for anyone? 2020, <laughs> when every single person I think on this planet, for the most part, went through this together. Everybody got a scar from it. And you mentioned something that was really prevalent in all of our lives during the pandemic, especially the height of the pandemic, where we were living moment by moment. We were all just trying to get through today. We didn't know. Who are you going to hear about the next day that didn't make it or who was going to get COVID or what was going to happen? It was such a weird time in our lives where we didn't know what tomorrow bring. We're all waiting for this cure or waiting for a vaccine or not waiting for the vaccine, whatever. It was such a weird time in our lives. I think we all experienced 
wow, let's have joy in the little things and in the moments, because we live moment by moment, not week by week or day by day then. I want to ask you a quick question, though, as my dogs start barking, which is such a fun part about <laughs> podcasting at home, is what is a joyologist? Can you tell us that in a nutshell? I would love to. So a joyologist is somebody that works with you know other people to reclaim the joy they feel is missing in their life whether it's through trauma or tragedy or, um, you know, just the very fact that, you know, as we um, progress through our life, uh, we, we maybe get married, we start families, we have, you know, other responsibilities besides just ourselves that we tend to feel like we have just lost track of where we are in the bigger um, scheme of things. And so I work with clients to help them, you know, make that joy front and center and, um, I, I get so much personal satisfaction out of it. You know, I, I was sharing a story earlier today and I said, I get to do this work. And I love that. I love being able to show people the things that, um, you know, at some points feel insurmountable. I think when we were going through the trauma in our house, I, I couldn't have dreamt of a day where there was joy. It, it just didn't, it, it seemed like, you know, kind of my joyometer had run out. And to be able to, not only have that every day, but show other people how to pull that back into front and center is just the greatest gift. And um, I, I almost feel guilty that I get to do this for a living. You know, that's the best thing you could ever say. Because I remember back in the day when I was working for Mary Kay, who was such a wonderful, inspirational woman. She broke the, the ceiling for women in business. And she always told us, and it might be through like the Zig Ziglar's of the world and John Maxwell's that all said this. So I don't know who the originator is, but it really rings true that if you love what you do, you never work another day in your life. Now mm -hmm. we do have to work. We have exhausting days and entrepreneur means we leave our nine to five to work 24 seven. We know this, we get this, but for the most part, you really do love what you do. And that makes the bruises and the scars and the long nights, you know, worth it because at the end of the day, we really love it. We love those who we choose to work with. We don't have to go into a nine to five and work with those somebody else chose for us to be around all day long mm -hmm. and make somebody else's dreams come true. We really get to have such great choices. So it's worth every minute of it, even the bad days or the bad weeks or the bad months. It's still your business and you still, for the bigger picture of it, love what you do. Absolutely. Now, one of the things in researching for um, our talk today, and I am going to refer to my notes so I don't misquote you because I'm <laughs> very, very sensitive to messing up somebody else's quote. Um, there was something that you shared in your TEDx talk and you said, do you want to design your legacy or live by default? Where did that where did that come from? How did you piece those amazing words together? And is that something that you feel? Um, My dogs would answer for you. Your dogs are just living their own legacy right now. I love they it. are. It's one of those days today. Uh, we've got a big storm coming through. The sky is black. They're all on hyper. But you know, we keep on going, and that's one thing I do teach my clients as well. Don't wait for perfection because you get in there and you do what you got to do and you don't have to wait for, I have to have a perfectly quiet studio. You don't have to wait for your kids to grow up and not interrupt you or things to happen for you to have a voice as well. But that quote is really important to me because when I did my TEDx, I did not re go out to be a TEDx speaker. They came to me because of my Living Legacy Summit. They were doing one that was focused on living a great legacy, sowing seeds of greatness. And they asked if I would submit to their particular one. 
here in the Atlanta area. And I'm like, I'm not a TEDx speaker. You know, you don't, you can't really talk about faith or religion or any of that or God, TEDx. And that's, I'm an inspirational speaker and I don't have any new idea. I don't have any, you know, you know, aha moments that are going to change the world. At least that's what I thought when they came to me, but they gave me the best script writer that they had. Somebody that has been with TEDx for since the beginning, over 10, 12 years now, um, Haley Foster. And they said, she'll be able to cultivate the script from your story. And literally it took us a year of me going through my entire life story. Cause I didn't know, am I going to talk about how I went through the murder of my dad from the mafia when I was 15? I was going to talk about something that had to do with my seven years of domestic violence from a pastor's son. I was going to talk about, you know, losing family members and my mom, my best friend had cancer. I was going to talk about my cancer. It's like, what do I pick? You know, so I didn't come to the stage. I've got an idea and I pitched it. It was completely opposite. I don't know. Take what you want from my life. And she actually cultivated this and we would talk and talk and I would just share stories with her. And you know what? She said something really profound that all of your listeners and viewers can really resonate with this. The way every single one of us processes a dilemma or a situation or goes through something or does a day-to-day -day task, we're thinking it in automatic mode. And what she said about me that is True to everyone. She goes, Ray, you know how you just said that about how you made it through that particular situation in life? Do you realize that's that's a unique idea? Not everybody does that. It's unique to you. I've never heard that. Did you realize that that is a unique moment? And I'm like, no, I always do it that way. Yeah, you do. But that's something the rest of the world needs to know. They're not thinking that way. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, even living my legacy on purpose that living a legacy is in a, and giving is a currency. She goes, that's not something you hear every day. I'm like, oh. So she really pulled that out of me. So I'm always uh, a real promoter of finding, if you're going to do a TEDx, find a great speech writer because it is completely my story, but completely scripted because you have a limited time. You have a moment on the stage to share an idea because the TEDx tagline, their, their uh, mantra is sharing ideas. It's not getting up there just being inspirational and having a good time. You better state your idea, give us the story that gets us there, land the plane, and you're done. There's no time for winging it on the stage. So that's why I was very specific. And so that's where it came from. It came out of my stories and how I deal with things. And she found that out of me. So it was really cool. We'd have all these really cool aha moments. Aria said she would stop me. Aria, stop right there. There's a piece of the pie. And she'd write it down. And that's how we got to that nine minutes on TEDx, which people can see on YouTube. Just go to TEDx, Aria McGarry, and you'll find it. It's only nine minutes. But it really is cool. Yeah, it's, the link is there too. Thank you, the Associate Dep. But it's really cool that I love to give people hope. Many people can't pronounce my name when they see it. They're like Aurora, Aurora you know, they don't know how to pronounce it. And I say it's pronounced Araya, like Araya Hope. So I just love giving people hope, especially women, because we're so hard on ourselves. And especially after 40, we're really hard on ourselves because that's mm -hmm. when we really start thinking we're not spring chickens anymore. And we really are. I'm still a spring chicken and I'm over 50, <laughs> over 60, but that's beside the point. <laughs> well, one of the things, you know, to just, you know, build upon the, te the TEDx um, talk, there was a moment that, you know, I, I watched it for the fourth time yesterday. Um, you talked about your interview with the Newtown um shooting victim's mother. Scarlett. That's why the, the warning on my TEDx, I talk about the gun violence moment. 
Now, being in Boston, that is that's one of the closest and most yeah. notable um, to our region. And so, you know, there are people around this area that know people that, you know, lost loved ones. I want to say that yeah. that was one of the most powerful moments. I just burst into tears. And to, to even conceptualize that, you know, through her grief, she found joy and she found purpose. Can you imagine? Um, is, I'm so grateful that you brought that um, to the limelight. Well, I want you to meet her because being the joyalist that you are, joy isn't just happiness. I believe joy is something you choose to be. Joy is that joy that passes all understanding. The Bible says that you get that joy from beyond wherever you all get your joy from. I get mine from the Lord and I get mine from just knowing, Hey, I've got another day. I can find some joy. Even though we can be sad, joy isn't happiness. Joy is deeper. I was, I had joy when I was throwing up 18 times a day during chemo, not knowing if I was going to make it through the day. I still had joy. I had that hope. I'm going to make it. God's still in control. I have a family that loves me, friends that love me. That was joy. Was I happy at that moment? No, but I was joyful. So I really want you to meet Scarlett Lewis because she runs the Newtown, uh, the, um, uh, Jesse Lewis Love Foundation after losing her six-year-old in the Newtown, Connecticut shooting. I can't think of a worse trauma than losing a child because yeah, we've all dealt with a lot of stuff. I just feel that's got to be the most heart-wrenching thing to ever go through because parents should not have to bury their children and it happens all the time. But then to something like this where your child gets either kidnapped or taken, it's not an illness where you get to nurture them and hope and pray and, and be with them through it all. It's someone that takes your child away from you and in something like this, a shooting or a kidnapping, something crazy to find love and to find hope and joy. After that, when you don't get your child back for whatever reason is to me that they're, they're my heroes. There is a different mm -hmm. level of survivor skills and joy and love and special specialness that God's given male, female, uh, mom, dad, whatever, sister, brother who loses a family member like that. And she has it. And she's changing children's lives in schools. She's changing the school system where she is and hopefully around the country. So I'm always her biggest cheerleader. I gave her an award for my Legacy Summit for her because I want people to know her and say, if she can make it after that bad day, what's our excuses? I mean, I can't think of a day that even compares Nothing I've been through compares to even losing my dad, being shot and killed on his birthday from the, from the mafia when I was 15, doesn't compare to losing your six-year-old child at school. Some maniac comes in with a gun. Yeah, he hasn't even had, you know, the opportunity, right? He has, oh. He's barely hmm. started. Yeah, and she found love and she still finds, she still finds joy. I mean, that's just phenomenal to me. Shows there is hope that we all can find that if we choose which is a great segue to one of the other quotes you you had, which is that you give hope to the hopeless. So I wanted to know if you could share with us um, maybe a time where you were really able to apply this concept and make a marked difference in another human's life. Oh my gosh. Well, the minute I got the diagnosis of you'll never speak again above a faint whisper, it'd be impossible. I was lying on the hospital gurney, just came out of surgery. And like in my TED talk, I talk about, they say I have good news and bad news. The good news is you have cancer. <clears throat> That's what the bad news is, right? The bad news is you're not going to talk again, you know, but you'll be fine. You'll, it's curable. And they said, maybe if you talk a whisper, you'll be doing good. That'd be great. And when I got that diagnosis, God was really clear with me that I was going to write a book and it was going to help millions. And I was going to use my voice to be inspirational, to help others give hope. And I'm lying there, literally tubes out of my neck, out of my stomach, not talking, just kind of barely coherent. 
realizing I have a calling on my life now to do what I'm not supposed to do to give hope. So it was really pressed upon me at that moment. It took years for me to bring it into fruition, but I knew at that moment, my life just took on a bigger meaning. I was given my calling and I didn't even realize at that moment, before that moment, that speaking is a gift because most people rather die or pay taxes than public speak. Mm-hmm. So the way I do it is I've been on so many stages, at least maybe a thousand TV shows, podcasts, and radio shows put together, giving of hope and getting people all the time that say, thank you for sharing your story. One time I spoke on domestic violence. And I remember I have a poem in one of my books that says one black eye is one too many because I got one black eye, but that was one too many. Didn't realize it then, realized it later. Nobody should be getting a black eye. Nobody should be doing that. But I thought back then, oh, well, it's just one, seriously. And I had this woman come up to me and she was in tears after I told my story. This is even before I won my Emmy. This was a domestic violence uh, fundraiser. And she goes, I just want to thank you for sharing your story with me. She goes, I just um, escaped domestic violence. And I said, well, yeah, she goes, yeah, I was. She said she was like eight months pregnant with her with her child. I can't remember if it was a boy or girl when she had him. And her husband beat her up so bad that it broke the baby's arm in her uterus. While she was pregnant, broke the baby's arm. And she goes, I'm like that too. I'm like, whoa. And she goes, I said, then what happened? She didn't leave him for two years later. She didn't leave him. So what? And she goes, and now you just gave me the, she goes, right, you just gave me that, that extra icing on top to know I did the right thing, to have strength to not go back. It was such a moment said, oh my gosh, you get beaten up that bad that it breaks the baby's arm in your womb. You still don't leave, which is a whole nother topic I teach on why do women stay with abusive men, relationships, that's a whole nother topic, but for her to still be there, but then to really get the confidence to get out. And then when I spoke, she got that extra confirmation. That's what it's all about. That's why I rarely say no to speaking on stages. Cause I know no matter what I'm going to talk about, we didn't plan to talk about this, but mm-hmm. whatever God wants, I pray every day, Lord, just give me the words to speak today that somebody needs to hear. So when you ask me too, you have a wonderful survey, you give your guest and you say in there, is there anything off limits? Cause I've got a whole bunch of packages you could open up. And I'm like, no, cause I don't know what somebody needs to hear when they see your show, whether it's this week, this month, or five or 10 years down the road when they find this episode. So I leave it totally up to God. And that's that resonating of helping other people give them hope to the hopeless. Because I think we all feel hopeless at one point or the other. We've all had days we feel completely lost or hopeless. Oh my gosh, what are we doing this for? Or is there any purpose? You know, because we all have sad times. So I just hope that one of my shows, whether I'm on it or it's one of mine, find the right people at the right time. And that's God's job. That they're able to hear my TEDx or hear this episode and say, wow, that's just what I needed today. So that's why I'm always in front of a microphone, clubhouse, wherever. I love it. Well, because it's so it's so poignant, right? It, you know, there's there's lots of different speakers out there. There's you know constant messages being pushed out on social media, but it's amazing how it meets you where you are, and it's the thing that you need to hear when you need to hear it, and it just stops you in your tracks. So I thank you on behalf of yeah, all absolutely. the listeners. It's just like if you're thinking about writing a book, or you're thinking, oh well, who would buy my book? doesn't matter. That's not your job. Your job, if you're called to write a story, fiction, nonfiction, you do what you're called to do and let God do the rest. And it'll get into the right hands. It might be, again, this week, might be this century. It might be this decade. You don't know. But nobody can find it. And that those right people that need to hear your words, not mine, not somebody else's, your mm-hmm. story and your words with your DNA all in it. 
they'll find it. It'll be that's like if you make it, if you create it, they will come. It's just like that. You create it and let those who need it find it and they will. So I have a question around joy. Um, I have a journal coming out, soft plug, um, <laughs> called the Daily, Daily Dose of Joy. <laughs> should all buy it. Um, Daily Dose of Joy journal. And so journaling has been one of those things that really helps me to be grounded as well as a few other um, you know, pieces of daily practice. I'm wondering what, what do you do to ground yourself every day and make sure that you're inserting joy throughout the day? Maybe there's something that will inspire our listeners um, to then, you know, develop their own practice and start to integrate joy into their life. That's a great question. I love that you have a journal for that. You know me a little bit better than maybe your listeners and viewers know me now because we've been working together a little bit now. I am a people person. I am a um, that creative learner. So to write things down, everything to stop to write isn't what I do. What I like to do is I like to be active and, and engaging and helping others. So I'll I'll get on a clubhouse room. I need to inspire. I need to be speaking. I'm my happiest when my dog's not barking. I'm going to let him in in a second. <laughs> hey, how we keep going. Uh, but I'm my happiest when I'm pouring into other people. So I'll find a stage. I might do a live. I'll go to Instagram Live or Facebook, or I'll do something where I can pour into someone else. That's what gives me joy. Like I said, I'll get in a clubhouse room or a LinkedIn audio room. I'll find a space. I'll, I'll call a friend. I'll call a client. I'll call someone where I can pour in. And then I get poured back into as well. So I really love that. I choose happiness every day. So if I'm having a bad moment or a bad day, it's like, what can I do right now? That'll be positive. That'll be productive. If that helps. And I am going to open that door. So go ahead and ask me the next question. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good. Um, so, you know, you have a lot on your plate every single day. You are very active in Clubhouse. You have the Limelight Network, which I'd love for you to share more about so people understand kind of the greater vision and the tie into E360 TV and what have you. And of course, the number one show on your network, Joy Unleashed. Um, <laughs> plug again. So just, just curious, like what's on the horizon? What is the, the bigger picture as you, um, you know, enter this, this really incredible phase of development and empowerment um, to lots of content creators? Uh, another great question. Well, I'm always in the creative mode. I've never stopped creating, like going from my cancer to creating a television, to writing my books, to creating a television show, to winning the Emmy, to uh, getting on the board of governors for the Emmys, to uh, doing the Live Your Legacy Summit. I'm always doing something more because I love the quote that Mark Twain said many years ago. It's when I die, I want to be totally used up. So I'm going to be a constant person in motion. So it's like, I've got this phase where I'm moving forward. Well, that's my normal. I'm always moving forward. I'm always doing something big and bigger and moving. I've always want to be growing. I always want to be creating something new. I'm not the type to just sit and be in the same place for the 30 years, retire, get the gold watch. It's just not how I, I think we need a lot of people that do that for sure. We don't need a whole bunch of array of types running around, but I'll always be doing something new. And with the Limelight Network, that came about because my Get Celebritized show has been doing so well on the E360 network. They offered me my own network to bring in more good shows like 
the joyologist, Joy Leash. So now I'm able to take my expertise as an award-winning television show host and producer, director, and editor, for, for that matter, to help other people have the microphones. Because it's not about Araya getting in the mic. It's about everyone that wants to share, sorry about that, that wants to share their vision, their education, their knowledge, their, their stories. They need the microphone. So I've dedicated my time now, at least for these next couple of years, to giving you all the limelight so you can edutain people and let them know what you bring to the world. So I love doing that. It lights me up to say, hey, Colleen, you have your show now. How can I help you? What can we do? How can we let more people know about you? So that's what the Limelight Network is all about, shining the limelight on great people who have great messages, whether it's finance or love or joy or balancing your life, whatever it is about. So that lights me up right now. And I'll keep growing. I'm always open to new ideas. So this is it. You come back to me five years from now, I'll be doing this in an even bigger way because that's just what I do. Now, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about all the hardware behind your head. So <laughs> I want to take... I don't Somebody know if asked if this see. was real before. And I was like, yeah, they think it's a backdrop. I'm like, it's real. <laughs> But it's for the, this is for the people. It's the people's Emmy because when I won that Emmy award for my TV show, my TV show was Live Your Legacy TV. That one was on PBS here. And it's all about shining the spotlight on great people, making the world a better place. Like the Scarlett Lewis, like the one I won this, this for was for Noah's Ark, where this wonderful woman brought together uh, unwanted and abused animals unwanted and abused children and at a beautiful place where they healed each other. And I told that story and that's the one that won the Emmy award for that story. So when I accepted this award, it was also, I said, I'm not supposed to be able to speak. I was over 40 when I got this award. I was 48. I wasn't a size two. I had no vocal cord nerve, sounded like a chicken for the most part of it. And I just stood up on that stage and said, this is for everyone who's giving up on their dream because they don't think they have the ability, the talent, the skill, or they don't look good enough or sound good enough to make their dreams come true. I just proved everybody wrong that if God wants you to have this dream, Keep on going because it can come true. If it can come true for me. So I don't wave that around. Look at me. I wave that around and say, if I can do it, you can do it. Whatever your dream is to be a doctor, a real estate agent, a massage therapist, hairdresser, whatever. You are exactly what you need to be today to start going for your dreams. So you wouldn't have those desires in your heart as long as they're good and they're legal, right? <laughs> if they're not legal, wait a minute. But you have that because I've always had this little girl dream to be a you know, rich and famous movie star. I had no idea God was going to use my journey to use my TV show acting skills to shine the limelight on good people as a TV show host, not as a character that won a part in a musical. It's about being a Raya with a microphone telling your story, Colleen, and other people's stories. So he twisted around a bit, but my little girl dream still came true, just better than I could ever thought or asked. So this is for everybody. Powerful. If I had the ability to navigate this platform better, I would have like mic drops coming in. The clapping. Next time. So I, I mean, in in my line of work as a joyologist, I talk a lot about limiting beliefs, and and that's what you're kind of touching on. That that is the thing that's really keeping you from pursuing that dream. It's already there. It's If it was part of your dream, it's part of your core DNA. It's part of your heart. The thing that is keeping you from getting there is are the blockers that you've put in place. And so Mm -hmm. I love that you touched on that because that is 
one of the core things that I try to advise people is let's get, let's get everything out on the table. Let's take money, time, your What kids. would you do if money were no object? Exactly. Yep. What would you wake up and do every day if you didn't have to go out and make money? Yep. And let's, let's just have a little bullet list and let's figure out how we can get there. It's probably not going to be the avenue that you originally thought to your point, but it's absolutely attainable. And, you know, we talk a lot about um, a scarcity mindset versus a mindset of abundance and how important it is to have that mindset of abundance. Like it is, you're already headed in that direction and that just propels you forward. So love that that well, you know, like give it a world what do we have to lose i deal with them also a lot of charities that deal with like haiti and third world countries and when they get up in the morning they really they may not make it to the end of the day with the gangs and the and all the the the, the war that's going on around them and so i really think clearly every morning that i'm glad just to be in america where i am that i don't have to for the most part, I mean, anybody can be a, a victim of crime at any moment in any city, of course, but it's not like there are like militias and, and everything like around me, like those poor children in Haiti really do pray to be invisible every day so somebody doesn't kill them. I mean, that's a whole different life. So for us to find joy is a whole lot easier where we are so we can help others that are in those countries as well. And I, when I just think about that, like going to make a decision, do I take a step forward to make my crazy dream come true today? My philosophy is what do I have to lose? Really, it's not life or death. Um, you don't want to go into bankruptcy. You don't want to you know, mortgage your home or anything like that for it. But how can you start making um, one foot in front of the other step to say, what if I could? What's the worst that would happen? Mm -hmm. Start thinking that way. So when, when I knew that God was telling me to do the television show, I'm thinking, all right, well, I have the skill set. I'm brought up as an actress in New York City. I know it had to be an actress. Never produced my own show. Never started my own show. Was never a TV show host before. But I knew okay, I could learn. I could figure this out. I felt really called to do it and tell good stories. So I started. Was my first one as good as my 22nd one that won the Emmy? Of course not. But I wouldn't have gotten to that 22nd one and all mm -hmm. these other awards if I didn't start with that first one that I probably wouldn't even show you today. Like, oh my gosh. But <laughs> better than never doing it, right? Still better than those people who haven't done it that still haven't you know, turned on the camera. So now look at my whole world helping other people have their own podcast, their own TV show. Because I started that one day saying, what do I have to lose? It's not life or yeah. death. Let's do it. In my line of work, again, just to, just to you know, kind of tie this all together, you know, I have mindset coaching is a component of being a joyologist, but I also encourage physical fitness. Now I'm not saying you need to go out there and run a marathon. Oh, look at the time. Gotta go. <laughs> I think I'm running late for something. Um, I also encourage people phys physical fitness. Now, if that means you just take the stairs instead of the elevator, great. Right. But it's, it's that thing, like it's just better than being on the couch. And right. that's kind of what you're saying too, that, you know, at least you take the step and maybe, you know, you don't get there overnight. But 22 episodes later, you did, you nailed it. And, you know, you were recognized for it. And that is so fabulous and sensational. And, I really and what think if I didn't? What if I never won a war? And you're in the industry that you just love. Well, you love waking up every morning. You have joy. You don't have to win an award for anything to be in the career that you love. So the worst that would have happened to me, I would have just loved being in it, loved telling these stories, loved meeting all these cool people that run nonprofits. It was a total joy 
to do what I was doing. The the caveat was along the way I found out about awards to win and happened to win some. But even if I never did, and if you all never win an award in your industry, whatever it is, that's not what's going to bring you joy anyway. Mm -hmm. This just gives people hope to give it a whirl. But the joy came from doing the work. The joy comes from, you know, podcasting. I haven't done the podcasting awards or anything yet. I've been doing this for three years. Absolutely love it. Haven't even thought about the awards part of it yet because it's so much fun to do this. I'm so busy doing, haven't had a chance to stop. Hmm, what awards are they to win? Although I know of them, but will I stop to do some? Sure, because I'm going to help you all win some. But Find things that you love to do, you know you're meant to do. Don't worry about the accolades or all that yet. That could come later. Just love getting up in the morning. Say, oh, I love what I do. Even if you start doing it just as a hobby, because we know it, it takes a little doing to be able to out earn your income doing something you love. So as long as you're willing to take that transition, say, okay, I'm gonna do it on the side, work a little harder, get a little less sleep, better nutrition though to keep you moving, knowing that, okay, when I'm able to out earn and make this money income, from what I love, then you can let go of what is making you money. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Sometimes it'll always be a hobby, but a hobby that brings you joy is better than not doing it at all. Don't you agree? Absolutely. I always tell people, answer this question. Take a minute if you have to. Tell me why not? Like, why not you? And I don't usually get very good answers. I had somebody during a check-in <laughs> the other day say, I just, I just want my clothes to fit better. Why? because I'm vain and I want to look better in pictures. Weak. That is not the answer. There's more to it. And, and we dig a little bit deeper. We find that thread. We pull on it. We get rid of the, the limiting beliefs. And before you know it, they're just outperforming all of the goals that they had set. And they mm -hmm. realized, wow, like imagine that I just did that. I made that transformation. And what else is possible? So it just, it's like joy is just, um, it multiplies. Mm -hmm. And it never runs out. Do you teach other people how to be a joyologist? Because I've never heard of that career industry. So is it a career industry that other people might say, hey, that's cool. I'm not happy where I am, but that sounds really intriguing. Do you teach other people how to do what you do? I could. I don't have, you know, joyologists in the making, but I certainly could. Yeah, absolutely. You could have a joyologist I, university. And you could train there, others to be joyologists. Everybody wants to, this is my idea, Muse. Like, do, 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 do. The idea is just keeps coming. No, I well, think it's like, I was doing I mean, TV I, Why not teach other people how to do it that want to do it, do it well? But when you think about this, so many people out there looking for something that brings them joy. They don't have a career they love, not sure what they want to do. And imagine they're, they're also able to be a joyologist because it's in their DNA and they, they're, they've got what it takes to be one. And you have the Joyologist University. They get certified to be a joyologist and it's part of your whole community. And this is your business and you could scale it. You could even sell it down the road. Here I go again. Okay, well, back to, <laughs> but I just thought of that. I mean, why wouldn't, when you kind of maybe think about that, because as people are listening to your yeah. show now, they're going to want to say, you know what, what is a joyologist? Could I be one of those? Hmm. And the answer like is anything. yes. So on my journey, when I had gone through my trauma and gained a bunch of weight and then was starting to take it off, I was working with a nutrition coach and asked him, like, don't we want to work together to develop these strategies so that I never go back to that weight again? Don't you want to help yeah. me uncover all of these things? And he said, I'm not your therapist. And I thought, you have this all wrong. You have it all wrong. The food, yes, is the thing that put the weight on. Like food makes you overweight. Food can help you lose weight. But it's it's that that mental and emotional piece that once you crack that, 
you're impenetrable. It's, it's unbelievable. And so would I love to teach other people to be a joyologist? A hundred percent. I feel like that would make the world a much kinder, softer, gentler, happier place to live. Um, the opportunity hasn't come up yet, but I suppose I could pave it. Yeah, absolutely. And it does not have to think about being millions because very few and a, a small qu uh, quality of person it would take to be a joyologist, just like a psychiatrist, a therapist. The whole world's not going to be one because they're not cut out to be one. My brother is a psychologist. He's perfect for that. He's a Libra as well. You know, he's very balanced. He's both sides of everything, really is a very good listener. So that's a skill set that you have to, in order to spend your entire life doing that, you really have to have that inside you. You could maybe teach that to somebody, but if you're like me, I couldn't do it. I'm at, I'd be giving you my opinion all day long and, you know, moving along. But he's very patient, very good at that, and finds, you know, just went to college for that the whole nine yards. So somebody to be a joyologist would take a certain personality, skill set, a DNA, that would be wonderful because there, but there are them. I mean, even we just had a few, you know, a dozen a year that became geologists. Imagine the impact they could make on their communities, you know, and in their lives, because maybe there's people out there looking and they've got the DNA to say, this would be perfect for them. They've got the joy in them and they want to share it. They want to learn how to share it the way you do. Oh, you just, you're, you're making it go right now. You're making it go. <laughs> Why wouldn't you do that? I mean, seriously, I think it'd be such a great thing. And it's different and it's a unique, you know, niche. And only you can teach it the way you teach it. There is no other mm -hmm. Colleen on this earth and never will be again. So just like a lot of people stop in their tracks like, oh, the world doesn't need another realtor. The world doesn't need another attorney or whatever. The world needs you. So whatever it is you on anybody I'm talking to, whatever you're thinking you want to do, there is no other you. I have a whole program, Profit From Being You, because it doesn't matter if there's a, a one or a million in an industry that you're doing. If there is no you, so we all bring our own experiences, our memories, our our past, our, our education, our stories. There is no duplicate life. I mean, a, a hundred other people can teach what I teach, but there's only one array of doing it the way I do it, bring it to the table. There's only one Mel Robbins. There's only one Tony Robbins. There's only one Oprah. Are there other TV show hosts or is there just Oprah? No, there's thousands, but there is no other Oprah. So don't try to be Oprah, be you. Be so you. that's why I tell people. So yeah, absolutely. I think there'd be a, a really great niche of people that'd be perfect to be a joyologist. They won't be Colleen, but they'll be able to take your message to a whole nother world that you would have never met. And so your legacy will get even bigger. Well, now it's recorded, so I have to do it. But <laughs> <laughs> now in the spirit of conversation, I will bring this um, to a close by asking one of my, my favorite term, one of my favorite terms is manifestation, right? And so you, you know, what you put out there is, is what you attract. Goes around, so comes around. The future, you know, is coming towards you. You just have to come out and meet it. Now you can't see it, but my vision board is right here. And I will be on Mel's podcast Mel Robbins. Oh, wonderful. 100%. First of all, she's from Boston. So why not? Um, now she's in Vermont. Why not again? And because it's on my vision board, it's going to happen. My vision board was inspired by Michelle Jacobic, who um, wrote Path to Profits, who I have been stalking on threads. So she'll be tagged in this. <laughs> Michelle, you need me on. You need to come on my podcast uh, show. So we're just we're just putting that out there. Yeah, um, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> What are you manifesting right now? What is it that you're trying to attract? 
Um, well, I'm trying to attract right now um, my 35 TV show hosts that come on the limelight that have great edutainment that bring their message like you are, Colleen, to the world. You're sharing your joyology with the world on my limelight network, which also reaches out to Apple TV and Roku, Amazon Fire, all the places. Um, so my goal now is I have an, I like to work with the numbers, you know, when I'm looking for goals. And that's the one thing. And my goal is a person, the person that I want to interview is somebody I've been wanting to interview since I started my Live Your Legacy Summits back in 2011. And that's um, John Walsh. Because like Scarlett, he lost his son back in the 80s. Many younger people may not know the story, but the America's Most Wanted came from John Walsh because he lost his son in the 80s, his eight-year-old boy, Adam. Now, here's the kicker. This is a great way to end. He's my dream to have on my show because if you can make it through life after this and the way he made it through, make it through life, people need to hear this story. He not only lost his eight-year-old son to a kidnapper, the kidnapper was a Satanist who decapitated the eight-year-old boy. And I don't believe they ever found the head or they only found that. I mean, it's just a horrific story. You almost can't even talk about it. Not only did John survive that, him and his wife survived it together. When it's the, the odds of staying together after that, uh, when a, a child is, is killed or kidnapped, it's like 50, over 50%, I think it's 75% of those couples divorce because the memories are just too rough to stay together. They stay together. Not only that, they had more children, which is another milestone after that. Not only that, he started that whole phase of missing children on milk on milk cartons and started the America's you know most wanted help started fighting crime. So he made his whole world fighting what happened to him. So no other parent would have to go through that. Do other parents go through it? Absolutely. But less because of what he has done and more people came to justice. So he took on this whole life and revolved it around that, stayed with his wife. I mean, just everything about that worked totally opposite that you would think after that moment in time when we would have given John Walsh carte blanche to become an alcoholic, hide in a closet, believe there is no God, there is no good people in this world and just say, Forget it and find him on a corner somewhere just drinking his life away. But he did the complete opposite. I want to know those nuts and bolts, those dashes in between those incidents and how he made those choices, Colleen, like you're saying, joy mm-hmm. being a choice. These mindset, That mindset is something I want to tap into. How did you do that? Yeah, because you're at a crossroads, right? Yeah. And you can choose, you can choose to go left which is what you're talking about or like I mean, what he did. And he, he made a hard right. I mean, he absolutely. And his wife it. and having more children. I mean, the whole nine yards because of that in memory of his son too. I mean, everything done and you know, it couldn't have been easy, but there's those decisions he made along the way. So meeting, I always put this out there when somebody asks, I want to have John Walsh on my show someday. So that I'm, I'm sure I'm just six degrees away from him at some point. I wanted Jeff Foxworthy at my event, Living Legacy Summit. And he lives here in the Alpharetta area where I do in, in Georgia. And I was always one degree away from him. It's like, oh yeah, my neighbor lives right next door to him. Or I have a friend who goes to school. It's like, okay, everybody else knows of him. Three years later, got a hold of his wife, who got a hold of him, and him and his daughter and his wife all came to my Live Your Legacy Summit and were honored for their philanthropy. But I just started talking about it. So I'm a big believer in that as well. What you speak about, you bring about. So, and you never know when that day will come when somebody says, I've got that person's phone number. I'll be happy to introduce you. But they won't know unless you start talking about it. Why not? Well, I think that is a great 
piece to end on. We will continue to manifest and support um, this dream for you. I have my two for this year. Um, what are your two? Well, Mel and Michelle, of course. Gotcha, gotcha. All We're, right, on first name basis. We're on a first name basis. They just don't know it yet. Um, <laughs> so people can find you through your um, Sociotap. So we've got that yeah. here on the screen. Thank you, thank and, you. and of course, your website, arraymcgarry.com. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would like one more shameless plug. I would love to um, offer um, our listeners here to download Joy in the Smallest of Moments ebook, which is found on my website, colleen.com slash ebooks. So, um, Araya, any, any final, excuse me, final thoughts as we, as we wrap up? I just want to say thank you for having me on your show. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited about meeting a joyologist in this world because this world can be such a crazy world and Colleen you give people hope you're really helping the community you're such a giver you're going to have such a great successful show and I know you're going to be on Mel Robbins show she's going to have you on hers you're going to have her on yours because what you do is so important and it's not something you hear about every single day but it's so needed and in this world of mindset and in this world of mental health, which I know Mel is big into, you fit right in with helping people have a better mindset, finding more joy, choosing joy, and having a happier, healthier life by choice. And not just hoping today is a good day. You, can, you have, there's pieces and choices you can make throughout the day, starting with your day, to make it a good day. Even if the roof falls in, you can still find joy and happiness and silver linings in them. Doesn't mean we don't grieve when the time is right to be grieving losses, but sure. you meet new people through it. You're able to find new communities and, and good things even happen from the pandemic. New friends were made, new community, new businesses were birthed. There's always a silver lining in everything. So I just want to thank you for helping people find those silver linings. And I'm honored to be on your show and honored to have you on the Limelight Network. Mwah. Great Same job. Here. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Joy Unleashed. As always, it's my honor to be your host and joyologist, Colleen Greco. Follow me at the Colleen Greco on Instagram for daily motivation and inspiration. And don't forget to leave my show a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, sisters. <laughs>